welcome to the Relationship Unconscious podcast series. I'm Dr. James Tobin, a licensed psychologist and psychotherapist. My clinical practice is based in Newport Beach, California, and I work with individuals, couples, and families primarily on their relationship issues. I also conduct psychotherapy groups and interactive educational workshops on romantic relationship issues and parenting concerns. In this podcast series, Relationship Unconscious, I focus on how the mind's unconscious influences the way we think, feel, and behave in our relationships. Although we probably like to think our conscious intentions and desires determine how our relationships play out, Unfortunately, that's not really the case. Freud established the significance of the mind's unconscious in determining many aspects of our intrapsychic and interpersonal lives. And since the time of his contributions, our knowledge base has evolved considerably. Drawing from all I've learned from my patients in 17 years of clinical practice, It's my hope that this podcast series will capture just how the unconscious impacts our relationships and perhaps even more importantly, will help listeners navigate the mind's tendencies, especially those tendencies that hinder the attainment of healthy, fulfilling relationships. If you'd like to learn more about my psychotherapy practice, group and workshop offerings, and other services I provide, please visit my website at www.jamestobinphd.com. That's www.jamestobinphd.com or email me at jt at jamestobinphd.com. The four things you need to know about your narcissistic boss. Whether I am serving in the role of executive coach or psychotherapist, most of my clients inevitably discuss problems they are having with a narcissistic manager. Elsewhere, I have described the increasing prevalence of narcissism, a trend that ironically seems to be reinforced by cultural dynamics that increasingly emphasize the self or individual instead of, and often at the expense of, the other or the group. But in this particular podcast episode, I am going to focus on addressing narcissistic problems in the workplace, specifically when the employee is saddled with the challenge of a narcissistic boss and the disconcerting and highly manipulative drama he or she will create for the employee. If you are currently in the workplace, especially if you are employed in a relatively intense or high-profile industry at a prestigious firm, your chances of encountering a narcissistic boss are unfortunately quite high. Here are four things you should keep in mind about your narcissistic boss. Number one, 
Although it may not seem so, your narcissistic boss is deeply insecure and has low self-esteem. This is the origin of narcissism. Early in development, the narcissist as a child was not celebrated or applauded by caretakers in such a way that conjured a feeling of healthy grandiosity. As a result, the narcissistically wounded child is left with a hole deep inside that persists into and throughout adulthood. So in the workplace, the narcissistic boss desperately needs to feel special in the eyes of others to be celebrated and applauded. This is why narcissists in organizations usually surround themselves with worker bees and codependents who orient themselves toward the needs and wants of others, who lack good boundaries, and who emphasize and value the good qualities and attributes of others, especially narcissists, while de-emphasizing their own attributes, often to the point of irrational self-criticality. With this dynamic in place, it is very easy for the narcissistic boss to perceive him or herself and to be perceived by others as special within a context of a team or group whose members essentially feel like second-rate citizens. Number two, opposing views, differences of opinions, and even the slightest appearance of disagreement or dismay are all intolerable for your narcissistic boss. A narcissist's sense of grandiosity and equilibrium is so tenuous and fragile that whatever it is he or she has put forth, created, or established in the organization must be accepted and perceived fondly and with admiration. The mood of the office must be serene and calm, and all employees must be sweet and affable, kind of like a Norman Rockwell painting. As a consultant, I have repeatedly sat in executive and team meetings in which I was stunned by the narcissistic manager's persistent scanning of the room for any nonverbal sign of disagreement or discontent. It was as if the people in the room not only could not voice a problem or issue, but could not even feel any consternation or average, expectable, neutral, or even slightly negative reaction to what was coming up in the meeting. I often talk about this dynamic in terms of otherness. That is, a narcissist cannot tolerate the unique idiosyncratic views, 
opinions, or feelings of another person, especially when these qualities of otherness do not agree with or reflect what the narcissist is thinking and feeling. Number three, your narcissistic boss encourages your specialness to shine, then stomps on it. Narcissistic persons are always recruiting talented people to become a member of their world because, again, at their core, narcissists are insecure and are therefore driven to people who are inherently secure, well-adjusted, and healthy. In the workplace, once the newly recruited high-performing employee begins his or her tenure and starts to show their stuff to exhibit what is special and unique about their abilities, the narcissistic manager is simultaneously impressed and activated and distressed. The specialness of the employee irritates the boss aggravating old, lingering wounds, their own specialness that was never acknowledged. This is especially true if the employee's unique talents and abilities demonstrate a firm sense of self that is not dependent on the approval or adulation of others, precisely what the narcissistic boss lacks. It is at this point that the narcissistic boss often unconsciously becomes motivated to take the wind out of the sail of this new special employee. Affirming the employee's strengths and contributions gradually shifts to a focus instead on the employee's emerging, albeit minor, and relatively inconsequential limitations or one-offs when the employee was simply not on top of his or her game. As this pattern of scrutiny and critical feedback persists, the employee is met again and again with a dramatic mixed message, a stinging juxtaposition of feedback. On the one hand, his or her skills consistently acknowledged by the narcissistic boss, yet on the other hand, a list of criticisms and weaknesses accumulate. Number four, your narcissistic boss seeks discipleship. The essence of narcissism is a profound sense of vulnerability and the fear that the narcissist's limitations and foibles will be discovered. In this way, the so-called imposter syndrome is really a central feature of a true narcissist. Consequently, in the workplace, the narcissist must create and gather around him or her disciples who unquestionably 
and without reservation support and defend the narcissist leadership, decision-making, and dealings with others, however unfair, manipulative, or unethical or illegal they may be. In many of the organizations with which I have consulted, a cult feel abounds in which executives, team leaders, and employees seem barren and machine-like, their originality and vivaciousness avoid it. However, they seem quite eager and highly invested in praising their narcissistic leader and mirroring his or her beliefs and values, almost with a tone of imitation rather than sincere conviction. In one organization, for example, the team leaders used the same words and phrases as did their narcissistic manager when describing various aspects of the workplace mission and culture. It was as if an ideology had been inculcated throughout the workplace culture that had no room for more personal interpretations by the employees. In conclusion, I hope these descriptions of the four major tendencies characterizing narcissistic individuals in managerial positions within organizations shed light on how to begin to think of a strategic approach to managing them. Of course, you can always leave an, an organization where a narcissistic manager resides, but chances are you will encounter other narcissistic leaders in your very next position. With many of the clients I coach and treat, understanding these fundamental elements of narcissism helps them become more mindful of the emotional and psychological triggers that activate narcissistic individuals so that the narcissistic boss, at the very least, does not experience them as constituting, once again, another narcissistic injury. Thanks for listening to the Relationship Unconscious podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to react to something you've heard, I encourage you to email me at jt at jamestobinphd.com. Also, please add a rating and review the Relationship Unconscious podcast on iTunes. Thanks for being such a great support of this podcast. Tune in next time for more on how the unconscious influences our relationships.